0: Welcome, and let's First Talk Compliance. I'm Katherine Short, Partnership Marketing Manager at First Healthcare Compliance. Thanks for tuning in. This show is brought to you by First Healthcare Compliance as part of our commitment to provide high-quality, complimentary educational resources. We help create confidence among compliance professionals throughout the United States. Please show your support by taking a moment to provide a review on Google, Facebook, or iTunes. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. On today's episode, we are speaking with Marcus P. Siska, JD, LLM, Health Law, owner of the law office of Marcus P. Siska, LLC, a law firm based in St. Louis, Missouri, about the topic of billing for chronic care management. What are the problematic issues? Beginning in 2015, CMS allowed Medicare payments to providers under the Medicare Physician Fee Schedule for chronic care management in certain situations. Prior to 2015, physicians could not bill separately for typical non-face-to-face care management services in these situations. While the implementation of a CMS policy for CCM payments should be applauded, healthcare providers billing for CCM should be aware of certain issues recently flagged by the OIG. We will discuss what is chronic care management, have an understanding of who exactly can bill for providing chronic care management services, and discover what recent chronic care management billing issues that have been flagged by the OIG. So, Marcus, thank you so much for joining me today on First Talk Compliance.
1: Catherine, thank you. It's a pleasure to
0: to be here. Well, thank you. It is a pleasure. So, let's get started. First, can you explain to me about what is the history of Medicare in allowing providers to bill for chronic care management services?
1: Certainly. That's a great question. So we have to go back about five years, uh, which isn't a long time. But as you said, beginning in 2015, uh, that's when CMS started allowing Medicare payments to providers under the physician fee schedule for chronic care management uh and in just in certain situations so although doctors have been providing services to patients for chronic care forever cms is a little bit behind uh with respect to the technology uh that is evol- evolving uh and in getting reimbursed reimbursing for chronic care management services so before 2015 uh, physicians couldn't bill separately for typical non-face-to-face care management services. And that is the key phrase right there. It's non-face-to-face. Uh, CMS has always been concerned about providers billing for providing services to patients, particularly physicians, when they don't see the patient uh, face-to-face but as our technology is catching up in the healthcare industry, more and more physicians, more and more providers, more and more payers are willing to reimburse physicians for non-face-to-face care management services uh, if, if certain billing requirements are met.
0: Okay, and what are the applicable provider settings?
1: Well, since we're talking about primarily physicians here, we're we're speaking basically about physicians offices and also outpatient departments so when i say outpatient departments i mean off-campus provider-based departments throughout the conversation if you hear the term outpatient facilities what i mean is uh, these are on campus and on off-campus provider-based hospital outpatient departments uh, to give you an example uh, those can include clinics and uh, emergency rooms. So, the setting in which the service is provided determines how the payment is calculated. So, it's a, a, the reimbursement is pushed by where the service is provided.
0: How is the payment under the physician fee schedule calculated?
1: Historically, the physician fee schedule is comprised of three parts. Uh, you have the work that the physician does and then the practice expense of the physician, uh, such as the overhead, uh, things like rent. And then you have a separate component that Medicare pays for, which is the malpractice insurance, uh, expense. So physicians are paid under this fee schedule regardless of the setting, but only two of those components the physician fee work and the malpractice insurance expense are constant, meaning uh, those don't change uh, and it's not determinate based upon the setting in which the service is provided.
0: And so what about practice expense? Does that remain constant or does that change?
1: Practice expense is the only component of the three which is not constant. Uh, so, for example, if the physician renders services in certain facilities, like a hospital, the practice expense component is reduced because the payers, like Medicare, sees these costs as being subsumed in the facility payment when, when the services are provided in an outpatient facility. So, when a physician provides a service, to a patient in an outpatient facility, there are generally two claims that are produced. One is submitted by the doctor under the physician fee schedule, and then one is submitted actually by the facility itself under what is called the Outpatient Prospective Payment System, or the OPPS.
0: Can you explain a little bit more what the OPPS is?
1: Yes, this is similar to the Medicare physician fee schedule. This is a fee schedule that is generated by Medicare and it actually pays the facility, not where the, where the service is performed, not just uh, the physician. Unlike the physician under the physician fee schedule, the facility itself is paid under this outpatient prospective payment system schedule.
0: If you're just tuning in, you're listening to First Talk Compliance, brought to you by First Healthcare Compliance, as part of our commitment to provide high-quality, complimentary educational resources. We help create confidence among compliance professionals throughout the United States. And my guest today is Marcus P. Siska, L.L.M., health law owner of the law office of Marcus P. Siska, LLC, a law firm based in St. Louis, Missouri, about the topic of billing for chronic care management, what are the problematic issues? Can CCM services overlap with home health care and hospice supervision?
1: Yes, they can. Um, I'd like to go back and just, I, I just want to talk a little bit, what is chronic care management? Because some people may, may not be familiar with, them, with it. Perfect. So, so chronic care management involves the provision of at least 20 minutes per month of non-face-to-face services to Medicare beneficiaries. Now, these Medicare beneficiaries have to have two or more chronic conditions, and these chronic conditions have to, uh, the expectation is the chronic conditions have to last at least 12 months or, unfortunately, until the beneficiary passes away. And these chronic care conditions must be placing the beneficiary or the Medicare beneficiary at a significant risk of death or acute exacerbation or decompensation. It could be also a functional uh, decline. So physicians and non-physicians, and we're just gonna lump them together for purposes of our conversation, physicians and non-physician practi- practitioners can bill for chronic care management services. How often can chronic care management services be provided? Uh, the CCM services are provided by a physician, or the physician can direct a non-physician practitioner to provide the services on a per-calendar month basis. Uh, The kick is that the physician may bill for CCM services only once per month per Medicare beneficiary. Uh, And only one physician and one facility can bill for CCM services each month uh, per beneficiary. Kind of segue into your question, Catherine. Can CCM services overlap with home health care and hospice super supervision? Yes, uh, there are, there is some overlap between uh, CCM services and home health care and hospice supervision. CCM services include care management services that are also part of Home healthcare and hospice supervision, and these are some examples. One can be transitional care management services under CPT, CPT codes 99495 and 99496. Another example could be home healthcare supervision under HCPCS code G0181. With respect to hospice care, uh, there could be overlap with HCPCS code. I believe it's G0182. And then for certain end-stage renal disease services, there could be overlap with CPT codes 90951 through 90970. So these codes include overlapping care management services, and the physician can't bill for CCM services during the same month for which he or she bills for these other services. So you got to be careful in billing uh, that you make sure that you're not billing for those overlapping services.
0: So, Marcus, could you tell me what are some problematic billing issues that you might have seen?
1: Good question, Catherine. So, this is a fantastic program for physicians who want to provide services to their chronic care patients but can't for some reason see them on a face-to-face basis, whether they're transportation issues or other other issues. So even though the physician can bill on a non-face-to-face basis, we are seeing some issues. Uh, Some of my clients have uh, come across uh, these issues and I've read about some of these other issues uh, through OIG reports and other case studies. Uh, One of the issues I saw is that the, the doctor or the facility bills for the services more than once for the same beneficiaries for the same service period. Now, what I have seen in some cases of this occurring, the same CCM services were billed by a single doctor or a facility. Uh, however, in other cases, uh, the same CCM services were billed by more than one doctor or facility. So that's just kind of one example that I have seen and, and, and the OIG has kind of flagged as a problematic area in CCM billing. Uh, let me think. One of the other areas I have seen is the same physician billing for both CCM services and those overlapping care management services for the same beneficiary. So if you go back and listen to what those overlapping care management services are that we went through, uh, that is another area that uh, I have not seen that with my clients, but the OIG has flagged that as a potential problematic billing area. And so if you're eventually audited, you may face an overpayment issue with with the OIG uh, or one of the MACs with respect to uh, that type of billing arrangement. Another one I've seen is that CCM services were billed by an outpatient facility but a claim was not submitted by a physician. So that kind of, that sounds kind of strange, but we have seen that uh that the outpatient facility bills but the physician doesn't bill. And there could be a number of reasons that for that why a physician doesn't uh, submit a claim.
0: Okay, with respect to the last issue that we were speaking of, why wouldn't a physician submit a claim?
1: Good question, Catherine. First of all, there isn't a requirement that CCM services billed by an outpatient facility have a corresponding claim billed by a physician. Also, I'm trying to think through here, there may be other reasons that a billing physician would not submit a claim. Uh, Maybe the physician chooses not to submit a claim for some reason. Um, Maybe the physician believes that he or she didn't meet all the the requirements for billing CCM. Uh, Maybe the physician didn't know that he or she could submit claims for, for CCM services. Another area that could be a reason for the physician not submitting a claim is the outpatient facilities clinical staff didn't render the required services, or the facility's clinical staff was not under the direction of a physician. So those are just kind of the reasons why we may not see a physician uh, billing a claim. But again, there's no requirement that the physician actually submit a claim.
0: How about telehealth? How does chronic care management fit in with remote patient monitoring?
1: Very good question, Catherine. Uh, So we're moving from 2015 up to 2020. Uh, So you have a physician who wants to provide chronic care management services to their patients who are off campus. They're not face-to-face encounters. So how does a physician go about monitoring the patient's vital signs? It could be glucose monitoring. It could just be just getting their vital signs on a daily basis, their heart rate. And that's where remote patient monitoring comes in. Uh, Remote patient monitoring allows a healthcare professional to receive vital signs and other important data from patients who are being monitored from, hopefully from their home. So this is kind of the transition away from the facility setting, whether it be the hospital, the nursing home, the long-term care facility, the skilled nursing facility, into the patient's home and that's why we're seeing an expansion of home health right now we want to get the patients out of the facility and into their homes and the patients most patients don't want to be in the facility they'd rather be in their homes so what remote patient monitoring does it helps doctors reduce the amount of hospital readmissions And also it maintains stability for these patients who suffer from a chronic illness. Uh, you can, the doctor can maintain a constant communication between the, between the, he or she and the patient. How remote patient monitoring works is there are certain functions that it does and also accomplishes. One is the collection of data. So once a user activates the patient monitor, the information is collected, it's stored on internal systems, and then it's formatted for transmission to the patient's physician. That's one part, that's collection. Then you have transmission. The data is collected, transmitted to the healthcare facility. And how does it get there? Well, it can go through the internet, could go through your phone, could be a text message or any other form of communication. So once it's collected and transmitted, it's then evaluated. So there's an, what we'll say, there's an internal algorithmic software that healthcare professionals will look at and examine. And what they do is they indicate any areas of concern. Uh, So information regarding these concerns can then be sent back to the patient or the patient's uh, healthcare team. The other part is notification. In the event that the doctor finds a discontinuity in the data that requires immediate attention, alerts will be sent to the designated emergency responders. And then the last one is obviously the action. The the emergency medical team can provide immediate assistance to the patient and can even explain what happened and ways to prevent another similar incident in the future.
0: Marcus, could you give me examples of different types of remote patient monitoring? I mean, are we talking about patients actually just FaceTiming with the doctor? Or are they implants that automatically send information to the doctor or facility? Or what what type of remote patient monitoring are we talking about in these type of situations?
1: Catherine, great question. Let me give you kind of an example. So if you're a Medicare patient and you are homebound, uh, you could be by yourself or you could have a caregiver. And let's say you have diabetes. So you want to obviously monitor your glucose readings. And the physician, your, your doctor wants to know what those readings are as well. So what can occur is a durable medical equipment supplier can come to your home. Uh, if you are capable of understanding how to use a glucose monitor, the DME supplier will explain how to use it, set it up for you, uh, or explain it to your caregiver. Uh, and then once that you have a thorough, you're the patient, you have a thorough understanding of how this works, uh, you wear the monitor, monitor can transmit that data through wi-fi through a text message uh, through any other sort of communication back to a software platform sitting in the physician's office and that data is read typically the doctor is not going to read that data but somebody in the doctor's office will read that data and then if there are issues that need to be flagged we'll raise that with the doctor, and in that way, the doctor can keep close tabs on you without having to come to your home, which is obviously very costly, and also, uh, you don't have to go to a nursing facility uh, or the doctor's office in order to be monitored.
0: Okay, very good. Right.
1: New technology. Um,
0: Yes. And and
1: the communication has improved drastically uh, within the last several years. Um, Right. So now these these remote patient monitors are able to transmit precise data more efficiently and they can take medical readings. They're less invasive and they analyze. And this is the great part. They analyze real time data to identify abnormal readings faster and more accurately.
0: Right. Well, thank you, Marcus. Uh, Do you have anything else that you wanted to add for us today?
1: Sure. I I do want to add that remote patient monitoring is Reimbursable by Medicare if you meet certain requirements. If you do it correctly and uh, and you submit your your claims correctly.
0: Okay. Okay, that's very good to know. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I really, really appreciate you being on our show. So thank you.
1: Thank you, Catherine. It was a pleasure.
0: Thank you, and thanks to our audience. Thanks for tuning in to First Talk Compliance. We always appreciate you listening in. You can learn more about the show on our programs page on healthcarenowradio.com. You can learn more about our show and other shows there and lend your voice to the conversation on Twitter at FirstHCC or hashtag FirstTalkCompliance. You can also email me at Catherine Short at FirstHCC.com. I'm Catherine Short of First Healthcare Compliance. Remember, compliance is the key to achieving peace of mind.